and welcome to What Is My Podcast About. This is a podcast where we sit down fortnightly and discuss a topic to see if we can find out just what our podcast might be about. My name is Keith Ramsey, and always I am joined by Peter Akerley. Hey there, guys. And Matthew Grace. Hello. So, uh, we're finally back on our regular recording schedule, even though it doesn't sound too different for everyone listening, because we still have kept the same release schedule, but what have you guys been up to in this uh, extended period since our last recording? Uh, just the same same old routine of uh, daily walk, but other than that, just staying inside, staying away from people. Yeah, we're sadly uh, getting I... to that point where uh, there's no new stuff really coming out. Yeah, everything is being cancelled. It's uh, catching up on old things that you've been meaning to catch up on. I saw an amazing uh, post online shitting on the final season of Game of Thrones and about how if they hadn't have fucked it up so royally, everyone would already be on their third rewatching by this point in the pandemic, and it's just amazing how bad it is. <laughs> yeah, but on the upside, I never actually watched Game of Thrones, so I don't have anything to be upset about. Yeah, exactly. A uh, quick recommendation, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, watch up until the end of, like, the sixth se season, and then just imagine the ending, and let that be canonical inside your own head. I mean, uh, not to open up another can of worms, because we did an episode on this already, but I actually didn't hate it too much. I saw what they were going for, they just didn't do it in the proper amount of time needed for it. This does not need to be another rehashing of Game of Thrones. We've shared our pieces, we don't need to talk about it anymore. Um, yeah. So I've uh, been catching up on old anime I promised myself I was absolutely going to watch at some point, and I'm now starting to watch. So I have uh, recently been watching, uh, fuck, I'm absolutely going to butcher this pronunciation and I apologize ahead of time, but I believe it's Yakitate Japan, and it's about a uh, baker by the name of Kazuma Azuma who wants to bake the world's best well not the world's best bread but an iconic bread home to Japan uh, and it's fascinating and delightful and amazing and I love it it's essentially all about this guy who uh, decided he wanted to bake the world's best bread and create a bread that the entire Japanese people could be a fan of uh, and has since uh, just kind of been all about him learning these ridiculous techniques just from fucking around that, like, crazy bread artisans have expected and studied for years to figure out. Uh, but also, he's the dumbest character alive, and at least once per episode, there's a joke about someone saying a very common phrase and him mishearing them and getting really confused as to what everyone is fucking talking about. It's delightful, and I... I don't know, it's been consuming a lot of my time recently. Well, all I know is the shame that this man has already failed, because I've had melon bread, and I don't know how he's going to improve it. They actually have an episode about melon bread and him improving melon bread. I highly doubt that's possible. See, the it, I'll, I'll go into it. We're going to fucking <laughs> talk about this now. Uh, the issue with melon bread, at least according to uh, the episode, is the fact that because of the fact that there's cookie on top and bread underneath... Uh, and the two take different times and temperatures for properly cooking. The cookie's never perfectly cooked on top. It's always a little bit underdone so that the bread isn't overdone. Um, and so he goes through a process of cooking the cookie and bread separately and then combining them together a la sushi. And he creates this whole fucking sushi stand-like appearance uh, in order to serve his melon bread. And it's quite nice. Uh, so yes, he does even improve upon melon bread. 
I still have my dotes, but I'll, I'll have to take a look and see. Uh, I can't comment because I've never had melon bread. Uh, it's uh, bread topped with cookie dough that is then baked. It sounds absolutely delicious. It, it actually sounds, is. I've never had it. If you do find it, I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's uh, something that's been added to my list of things to eat since watching the episode about melon bread. Good. I love cookie dough. I, on the other hand, have just been going backwards and like revisiting things. I've actually started playing through uh, Resident Evil 1 uh, and uh, the original version, like the director's cut, not the remakes or anything. And just yeah, enjoying the fun PlayStation 1 glory of that. I've also been uh, going not quite back, but uh, Mario Maker 2 added some new functionality where you can create your whole a whole world with five different levels in Mario. Uh, so I've been going through and creating some Mario levels so that I can uh, build a whole game of Mario uh, all by myself. Yeah, that Super was fun. officially the last DLC pack, wasn't it? Yes, that was the most recent one. Anyway, I've been playing, as usual, a lot of Warframe. How's that going for you? Oh, fantastic. Actually, finally getting around to making progress in the open world areas. And uh, I've recently been having a craving of sticking the toes in the waters of uh, war games like War Thunder, World of Tanks, World of Warships. Yeah? World of Warcraft. And Warhammer. These ones are free, though. Warhammer 40k. So how is World of Tanks? Uh, I played it once. I want to play. I want to play it more since I've been craving kind of that gameplay for whatever reason. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I, it was enjoyable. I really do just want to play it more. Uh, just a bit of stir craziness and boredom, I suppose. Well, you know, it's a good cure for boredom: making up crazy theories, which gets us into our today's topic, of course. It's uh, we're going to talk about crazy theories. We're going to talk about Marvel Phase Four and all the things that we can probably expect with that, which oh. we can do because Black Widow and like all the other things were moved back, so they haven't released yet. So we can just make up whatever we want, pretend it's real, and then uh, after we all are hundred percent like perfect predictions, we can. I told you so at the end. Oh boy. One of the reasons that I feel like it's got to suck to write movies these days because. Everyone on the internet does it. Not that everyone on the internet does this. We're very original for thinking to do this. This is the most original where... podcast you will ever listen to. It's one of those problems where now if they do anything that anyone has ever written, then everyone's like, oh, we called it. You're not original. But if they do something that no one's predicted, it probably comes across as really bad. So they're in an impossible situation, and we're going to make it more difficult by perfectly predicting their scripts. Yeah, so... uh in before we're uh, fortune tellers. Uh, so let's start off with just putting some basic legwork in here of what is already confirmed. So they have announced phase four and what we can expect within phase four itself. Uh, so the original, uh, I think everything is roughly the same because uh, obviously all the movies got pushed back one slot, but the Disney plus they're saying is still going to come out when it was supposed to. Uh, so it's supposed to be in this order, but it's going to be a slightly different because of just the shift in the Disney Plus stuff compared to the rest. But Black Widow was supposed to start it off, then Falcon and the Winter Soldier, then the Eternals, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, WandaVision, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Loki, What If, Hawkeye, Thor Love and Thunder, and then kind of tentatively allowed here, 
We have a Blade movie that was confirmed, uh, but no date given. Fantastic Four has a uh, confirmed, but it was no date given. As well as on Disney Plus, we have Moon Knight, She-Hulk, and Miss Marvel. Now, those last five aren't 100% confirmed will be part of Phase 4. And there's also speculation that Phase 4 does end with an Avengers movie, but they haven't released any information about it because it could spoil where the following movies are going to be going. Yeah, so from what I've read, uh, according to, at the very least, uh, an interview with Kevin Feige that he may have changed his mind about, the first 10 is his full vision for Phase 4, and it's just things might change as they inevitably did with his phase three. Um, but this has been in the works for a while. So from what I understand, the 10 are the ones that are actually going to be phase four. And then other things that have been announced are more likely to come a little bit later in phase five, but things might get shifted around and they might end up being a part of phase four. We'll never know. I mean, we'll eventually know. I take that back. We'll know as soon as like probably early 2020 or 2022. Makes sense. And when he was saying this, I'm assuming he also meant that also includes the three announced uh, Disney Plus things as well? Yes. Uh, I believe he also intends for those to be a part of Phase 5. Interesting uh, to note, though, that this is kind of the first time that TV shows are being an official part of the MCU. Because before now, there's been several TV shows like the different Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the uh netflix series but none of those were like officially under the purview of kevin feige yeah they were just more spin-off type things yeah the the defender series which was on netflix was kind of like uh marvel adjacent where they referenced things that happened they referred to you know the battle of new york within multiple of the series uh the uh article of uh that gets referenced in the movies a few times of the hulk going uh loose in uh, what was it new orleans i believe yes uh, is in a few shots as well. And they do reference Captain America and Iron Man directly. So it was always kind of playing very distant, but close in a sense where it's, oh, it's New York, it, stuff happens, but this is street level. So they don't really interact with these heroes a lot. Whereas Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. started off very much, it is a 100% tied to the movies going on. But I think it would have been around, what was it, Age of Ultron, where that kind of just fully split. And it's more of like it's its own universe now. Yeah, it not only has it split off, but I think even originally, while it was in the same universe, it wasn't actually, like, under the same auspices as the people who were making the MCU, and it was more so just, like, an approved thing they were allowed to do, and they kind of knew about what was going on in the MCU, but they didn't have any direct impact, whereas it seems like a lot of the stuff that's going to happen in these shows will have much more direct ties to the MCU and will change how things play out, so... It'll be one of those things where, like, before you didn't have to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to understand what was happening on happening in the MCU, but now it's starting to seem like you might actually have to watch WandaVision and Loki to actually fully understand all the events that are happening inside uh, the MCU. Yeah, the only one that was very, like, very a what strong is? connection was uh, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it was always just a one-way connection. So something would happen in the movie and then the TV show would reference it directly. Because if I remember correctly, in an earlier season, they were investigating the fight location from the end of Thor 2 <laughs> and like picking up all the transmitters and stuff they were using during the fight. So essentially they were cleaning up Thor's mess. Or of course yeah. the uh, Captain, Man uh, Captain America Winter Soldier twist of uh, 
all everyone's a Hydra agent or half of everyone's a Hydra agent. That directly affected the TV show as well. And Nick Fury made some cameos. So it was always coming from the movies to the show, but never back. Though there were some hints and, well, not hints, but uh, references in uh, conversation that they were considering bringing some characters from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Defender into Endgame, just where it was such a big thing to end off the thing. But that kind of never went through. Now, it is important to note that while all of these different shows that they've announced, they have confirmed will have direct ties to uh, the MCU. One show that will have no impact whatsoever on the MCU, uh, unless fucking Multiverse of Madness ruins everything, is What If, which is just essentially the how it should have ended of Disney Plus series, where they're doing their own theoretical looks at uh, different moments in the MCU and saying... What if this had happened differently? Like, what if Loki had gotten a hold of Thor's hammer or stuff like that? Yeah, I was just reading through that and thinking to myself, how is this supposed to be connected to the MCU if not just other scenarios that could have So it's not connected canonically. It's specifically non-canonical. But it is still being made by the people who made the MCU. So they're saying, like, for instance, as in the example I've already shared, if Loki had been able to pick up the hammer in Thor 1, how exactly would that have played out? How would that have changed things? Mm-hmm. It's also important to note that uh, I think most of the actors uh, have confirmed that they're reprising their roles. Now, it is an animated series. It's not going to be uh, live action. But, for instance, Tom Hiddleston is going to voice act Loki in What If and stuff like that. Now, if I'm correct about what if, the premise of it is we're following the Watcher telling stories, specifically uh, uh, the very prominent Watcher within the Marvel comics. Yeah. uh, Uatu uh, is the name of him, I believe. Yep, I think so. Yes. So I believe the plot is going to be that. So in a sense, it could be tied in, but with no effect where it's Awatu is within our universe, or the main Marvel universe that we're watching, telling stories of what-if scenarios he's seeing in like alternate realities, because it very much seems that Marvel is leaning into multiple dimensions, uh, with just what we've seen in Spider-Man, the multiverse of madness, it just seems like that's the next big thing they're going into with uh, introducing not only that, but the darker side of the universe, like magic and uh, vampires, of course. It looks like uh, Taser Peace is listed in the cast for What If. It's also interesting to note that What If is the only of these shows that has also been confirmed for a second season. Everything else has just kind of been announced, whereas What If, they're like, no, you're getting two fucking seasons of What If, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, yeah, because... What if we had a second season? We don't have to ask yourself. There is tons of What Ifs that could happen and will happen. Maybe. Given that what if is all about potential things that could happen, if any of your predictions from today don't come true, you can assume they'll eventually be the product of an episode of what if. So all of our predictions will be right in some sense. I can't wait for all the like the crazy spinoffs when they start running out of ideas. Like what if Tony Stark didn't get that cheeseburger when he got back from uh, his uh, kidnapping situation? <laughs> it's what just if, him sitting if, on the floor really sad in the boardroom. What if what Thor if was actually allergic to falafels? Sorry, what did you say, Matt? What if they didn't go and get shawarma? That's what I meant, shawarma. Yeah, what if Thor was allergic to shawarma and didn't know and just died at the end of Avengers 1? What if Thanos was a good father? (laughs) So, do we want to start talking about the stuff that has been announced and our little predictions? 
Okay, so I think we should probably just start off with Black Widow for the simple fact of that itself is pretty much we've gotten most of the information from that, and we know it's already fully filmed. It was supposed to be out already. Uh, actually, it was supposed to be out on the 1st of May, so yeah, uh, we're about a month past due on that. But it has supposedly been pushed back to November of this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so essentially what they ended up doing was all of the movies got moved back one slot. So Black Widow went to the Eternal slot, Eternals went to Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi went to Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange went to Thor Love and Thunder, and so on and so forth. Yes. There was another movie announced after that, so Thor Love and Thunder is just in the ether until they announce a date. Yep. Uh, but Black Widow, we know, is kind of... It starts off Phase 4, but it's going to be a prequel of sorts. So it's going to well, take yes. place, I believe, around uh, Civil War. It's important to note that uh, Black Widow is dead in the MCU right now. So yes, this movie is going to take place uh, before the current timeline, just to kind of uh, fit in a story. I don't know if it was Civil War, because she is president of Civil War. I think it was um winter soldier was when this one takes place no she's also winter soldier fuck it, it's in that timeline though in around winter soldier and civil war and all that yeah the premise yeah. of this movie looks to be very much she's trying to right some final wrongs now of course there are speculations we've already talked on the this podcast about it before about the theory that time travel is involved and it's her as she's falling off the cliff traveling through time to essentially correct some things in the timeline she wants fixed well, yeah, I don't really know much about Black Widow at all outside of uh, what we've seen in the movies so far. But uh, I imagine this movie will be used mostly as a means to introduce other characters into the MCU. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be setting up things. Because uh, one thing to uh, keep in mind is Marvel always makes sure to, in some capacity, have each movie contribute something to the major plot. Some do it more heavily than others, but even whatever well, small it is, tries to give something to it. For example, Ant-Man series has kind of been like very adjacent to most of the major plot lines, but it had some major things that played in the events of the last Avengers movies. Yeah, I think it's important to note that with the Infinity Saga end, I think a lot of the stuff that we're seeing is an introduction or a way of passing the torch, probably. Uh, in that, like, the Black Widow movie, they might not be able to bring back Natasha Romanoff just because of the way she sacrificed herself to the Soul Stone. It might actually be impossible for them to bring her back in any way, so it's possible they're just doing this movie to introduce a new character who might be taking her place in the uh, future of the MCU. Similarly, with a lot of these movies, they are kind of based on characters who are not exactly household names and definitely haven't appeared in the MCU beforehand. So it's likely that they're all just kind of introducing stuff. So I imagine that's the case with Black Widow, where it exists less to tell a compelling story about Black Widow on its own, but more so to introduce other characters who might potentially take her place in future movies. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to try to set up a new Black Widow. Very well, much especially it. with, if you watch the trailer or read any of the literature about the movie, the story does feature heavily around her family and her sister pretend, uh, specifically, who was also trained in the same group that she was as an assassin. So yep, it's quite everyone. possible they're building up her sister to take over her mantle. Which I can see moving forward to keep that type of character in there. Because with Black Widow and Captain America gone, the charm that everyone really liked about... Uh, 
the Captain America movies kind of disappears because there's no other characters that are that grounded in a sense without bringing a you know a replacement Black Widow. I guess Falcon and Winter Soldier are kind of there, but they're more of straight up They've military not... type thing and not so much an espionage side. Military and tactical like... enhancements. Whereas the only down-to-earth characters we had, as you said, was Black Widow. And then to some extent, there was Hawkeye, who had his cool bow and all that. But all he had going for him, really, aside from that tech, was he was a good shot with a bow. But damn, did he have the best lines in the movies. True. Whereas it kind of feels like we've also just kind of lost the heart of the Avengers, as you've kind of pointed out. And the Falcon and Winter Soldier do kind of have that everyman vibe, but they just have never really needed to fill the role of like the core of the team. So both of them kind of have side character type personalities that both of them aren't so much of an everyman. So I think it's important to kind of fill, find a new character who can fill that role of bringing everyone together and kind of having that compelling backstory. Uh, so do you think Black Widow will do anything beyond just introducing new characters? Do you think it's possible they might be setting up something moving forward? Or do you even have an idea of what might be the big thing they're introducing for this new phase moving forward? Well, that's what I want to know. Because outside of a few key characters like uh, Thanos and I guess Galactus is still Marvel? Yes. Yeah, I don't really know who could be the potential next villain. So what kinds of threats do you think we could see in the future? Uh, so Let's now go. that they have Fantastic Four, Galactus is definitely a good candidate. Doctor Doom, another one. Uh, I was, I, as we've discussed... Would, oh. Yeah, both of those would require the Fantastic Four to be brought into the MCU in some capacity. So they are bringing in the Fantastic Four. That has been fully confirmed. Yeah, it's not in the list that was given originally. I do recall correctly. No, it's like it, it might be phase four, but most likely it'll be phase five. So for the big bad of what's coming up, most likely kind of like Thanos-esque, those would be two villains you would want to possibly set up for like a bigger arc of multiple phases. Yeah, so it would yeah. be kind of like I... uh, our first Avengers. We had a big alien invasion, but we didn't really know who was behind it until like the end scene credits where we see Thanos. Okay, I so... suspect this is going to be a similar thing where we're not going to get introduced to the big bad in any capacity until potentially the final movie of phase four. If there's the Avengers movie at the end, I suspect at most what we're going to get is like the villain who not even taskmaster, who's like the actual villain of the black widow movie, but whoever's pulling taskmaster strings is potentially going to end up serving the actual final villain of this overarching story. Yeah. But I don't think they'd want to use the same cut and paste format. So they might change it up a little bit where whoever the villain of the Black Widow movie is going to be isn't really working for the big bad, but somehow inadvertently causes something to happen now, towards the big finale. I do yeah, I have an idea of who will be the uh, event. So if we're going with the assumption that Phase 4 will end with an Avengers movie, they just haven't announced it yet because the title would give away a lot. I have an yeah. idea. I don't want to give it away yet because I want to kind of talk the movies first and then set it up for you guys. Yeah. That's fair. But yes, I I suspect that Black Widow's primary purpose is not only to introduce a character to potentially take over her mantle, but also to potentially introduce more villains and introduce whatever character was in charge of the secret assassin ring she was in as a child 
is probably also going to get involved in the story somehow. Well, uh, um, what you were saying there about the person pulling the strings of Taskmaster is actually going to be one of the big bads moving forward. I do like that because that could also set up a few of like the more intelligent villains. So uh, we've already mentioned Doctor Doom or even Norman Osborn being a potential person that they could set up as a villain who is kind of making moves and Taskmaster is just one of the pawns in his game. Yes. I absolutely. I think the Taskmaster might be a recurring villain, kind of like... Not that I'm saying they're going to do the exact same thing they did in the uh, Infinity Saga, but I suspect that it's likely the Taskmaster will kind of play a similar role to Loki in that this is his main movie to be a villain, but he'll keep appearing as an enemy throughout, and they'll probably catch him and he'll get freed or some shit like that by whatever villain is actually pulling the strings. He might get let out of the jail and continue to cause problems down the line. I don't think this is going to be the only appearance of the Taskmaster. And to be fair, Taskmaster isn't really a villain outright either. He's a mercenary for hire. He just goes to the side that pays him better. Yes. So he might even start out working for like Nick Fury or something, then get a better bid from the villain or such. Yeah, they could easily have him be that he started off on the side of the Avengers and worked for S.H.I.E.L.D., and after S.H.I.E.L.D. collapsed, he's been bought out by some other warlord or some shit like that. Uh, they could also play the idea that he could also be uh, someone who was a member of S.H.I.E.L.D., but then after the collapse kind of went off and became his own thing, the Taskmaster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They could even have it play the opposite, where he starts off as kind of an enemy who works for assassins or even works on his own and is just causing chaos. Worked for Hydra. Ends up getting bought over to the good guy's side at some point. Like, say Galactus ends up being the final threat of this arc, he might end up realizing, even though he only works for money or stuff like that, he might realize that saving the world is a little bit more important than getting paid or some shit like that. Galactus if everyone's in the world, there's not going to be any money to get paid with. Exactly. If everyone's dead, who's going to pay me? Exactly. So it's entirely possible they might introduce him as an enemy for this movie and end up pulling him back to play as a more heroic role in future films. They could even have, like, a Captain America type, like, frigging uh, Black Panther with all the money in the world might just buy him out one day. And he's just like, cool, I work for the good guys now. And everyone's okay with that. Yeah, it's kind of hard with Black Widow to go into, like, crazy speculation just where we know quite a bit about it. Uh, but I think we got one over pretty good about what Black Widow will entail. Uh, but let's move on to the Falcon and Winter Soldier now. Now, this one, there was bits of information released, uh, but nothing too concrete. What we do know about this one is it's actually going to involve a U.S. agent. Uh, a specific person? Yep, so a U.S. agent is essentially a modern attempt at recreating Captain America that directly belongs to the government. Okay, because from what I guess kind of picture just by seeing the title the falcon and the winter soldier is that the falcon and uh, bucky they really haven't interacted much as far as i'm aware and it could just be them finding their footing in like the new shoes that they have to fill the falcon taking uh, captain america's shield at the end of everything and just kind of taking up the mantle and finding his new grounding well, I think it also makes sense for Falcon and Winter Soldier to have the realization that potentially Hydra hasn't been completely eliminated or there's some other evil group pulling the strings and Winter Soldier wanting to kind of 
stop that given his history working for evil organizations who control people. In fact, one rumor I read somewhere, I don't remember where I read, and I kind of like, is the idea that they're going to discover the Weapon X program, and that's how they're going to start try- tying some more Fox properties into the MCU. Yeah, well, not, that... not necessarily the Weapon X program, but just any of the Weapon Plus program, which yeah. Captain America is kind of the first of the Weapon program. Yeah, and so they'll end up discovering some weapon programs and trying to shut it down and they'll end up tiring Wolverine into that just through his connections as also being kind of developed as a human weapon who had his mind controlled by the enemy initially. So I think it'd be an interesting way to start tying in Fox properties is to have Falcon and Winter Soldier in their crusade to shut down some evil organization, end up stumbling across Wolverine and him not being a protagonist in the series, but it's their way of kind of introducing the idea of mutants, at least subtly, so that they can later bring in the X-Men more officially into the MCU. Yeah, Wolverine was Weapon X, and uh, another existing property that's just getting moved over and not rebooted that we know of is Deadpool, which is also yes. an offshoot of the Weapon program as well. Yeah, so it's yeah. also... I really want them to introduce... Uh, like, want to is a strong phrase... Uh, but I think it'd be super cool if they introduced uh, Deadpool more properly into this, because then we have the chance for the Spidey Pool crossover that everyone's been waiting for, with Deadpool and Spider-Man finally getting to interact on screen. That would be nice, but uh, the way that they've been doing Deadpool so far, and it's rating, obviously, I don't think they're quite keen on uh, pulling Deadpool from what it is into the MCU. You, I would think that, but uh, they, you have to remember that when Deadpool 1 and 2 came out, they also did the holiday release where it was a very censored down one to show that they could operate at that level. And it was actually really good. So Deadpool itself doesn't thrive off they, of needing to be the R-rated movie that it has. It's still good that way, but it can function otherwise. And Deadpool... That? Oh, yeah. It was yes, a, they absolutely did. Yeah, huh. And it was actually a PG-13 rating. It was great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah and I don't think it's so it much that they would pull the Deadpool character into the MCU so much as they would use it as an opportunity to pull MCU characters into Deadpool. Like, I don't think the Spidey Pool movie would, by any stretch, be called a Spider-Man movie. I think it would absolutely be a Deadpool movie that has Spider-Man in it, just to kind of keep that little separation where they can corrupt their characters, but make sure that it's not being presented to an audience for children. And going and Deadpool on, Deadpool definitely isn't the kind of guy who would go to out of his way to save the world. Yeah. No. And uh, going on to the idea too of uh, the characters crossing over, there's already been not just in the movies, but even like the people in charge talking about stuff, talking about like different worlds. They've mentioned that oh, uh, the Tom Holland Spider-Man will have the ability to cross between franchises and worlds and such. So it sounds like they are trying to set up some sort of multiverse where they can do stuff. So Deadpool, I don't think, will be part of the main universe, but mm-hmm. they could set up that he's in an adjacent universe that he can travel between. And Deadpool, even though he's in, you know, one of these movies, say he shows up in an Avengers movie, he can still be the Deadpool they have, but he would be aware that he's in a movie and would act accordingly, of course. So they could make jokes between him and the True. audience that the other characters don't eat, like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? True. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why it's kind of important to have, like, the idea of him being in a separate universe that can tie into them. Because if he's a movie character who, like, properly exists in the MCU uh, and is constantly referencing the fact that the MCU is fake, it kind of ruins the stakes for all of the normal MCU characters. Even if they don't understand what's talking about, it does have a deep impact on kind of 
what we think of the movie. So it's kind of important to keep that like degree of separation and you don't have like during the next Avengers when they're all fighting like Galactus in 25 years to have a character constantly referring to the fact that this is only a movie uh, would kind of cheapen the thrills of the movie. So I don't think we're ever going to see Deadpool like fully existing in the MCU and being a recurring character throughout the movies. But we might end up having him take over the idea, the role of like the Stan Lee cameo, or we might have him just like pull other characters into his movies. And uh, going back to the Falcon and Winter Soldier movie for just a second. Uh, now I'm not too familiar with the U S agent myself, but I do believe he kind of is like a pseudo villain. So I, do you think that they're going to make it that the Falcon and Winter Soldier have to work together to take down essentially the second Captain America uh, to like kind of like come into their own and I 100% believe that Falcon is going to end up in his Captain America getup before the series is done. Yeah, yeah I think that certainly fits with uh, what I was originally thinking and how he kind of has to step into the shoes in his own way. So what I suspect is more likely to happen is they're going to well not more likely to happen but what I picture happening in my head is US agent is going to kind of be presented as like america's attempt at creating a successor to captain america except they don't use the approach they did with chris evans and pick a good person to make him powerful they pick a strong person to make him even more strong uh and so they're gonna end up getting yes an evil captain america and it's just gonna kind of be the story of them trying to defeat him to protect their friend steve's name uh and then it's gonna end up with Falcon taking over the mantle of Captain America just to keep the government from fucking around with this anymore. Ooh, fun idea. So, evil Captain America is a thing that's happened in the comics, and everyone hated it. But what yes. if they do the thing where they create this new Captain America, and Falcon, who's, you know, not too confident in himself being Captain America, ends up, him, Winter Soldier, and U.S. Agent end up working together, and he ends up giving the shield to U.S. Agent, and then the twist ends up happening where they redo the Hail Hydra scene, with uh, the helicopter that everyone hated in the comics with the U.S. agent instead, where he kills somebody, and then Falcon and Winter Soldier realize that, oh, Hydra still exists, and he's one of them, and to kind of save the Captain America name, they have to take him down, and that actually ends with Falcon fighting U.S. agent for the shield, in a sense. Kind of like that, but also that is very similar to the plot of Far From Home, so I don't think they'll do that. Uh, given that it's about a good character who was given the role of taking over the mantle of one of the great heroes, not feeling confident, and so he passes off the role to someone who he thinks better fits the role, only to realize that they're a terrible fit for the role. So now he has to fight them to take back the thing he passed to them in order to keep the role from being corrupted by this evil character. Uh, True, but we already got a firm, I guess, foothold in that kind of door. And to be fair... That uh... final interaction that the Falcon had with Captain America... In taking the shield i so i think it's possible that though like both falcon and winter soldier will kind of fully accept u.s agent as the like new captain america i just don't think they'll go so far as to like he probably, have falcon yeah, be the one who offers the role to him only to realize it was a terrible mistake later on i think it'll just be Falcon might be suffering from some confidence and U.S. agent comes out and, like, announces himself as the successor to Captain America and both of them decide to check him out only to realize it's a mistake later on. Like, now, to be fair, I don't think Falcon's gonna be like, no, like, 
make the whole end goal of like I need to get back the shield to save the name of Captain America. I feel like Falcon and Winter Soldier's mission will be we have to stop this guy more so, but by doing so, he effectively like proves himself worthy of the mantle more so than I need to take the mantle back. Yes. Uh, I think it's, I definitely think US Agent is going to be initially presented as a new Captain America, only for Falcon and uh, Winter Soldier to realize that he doesn't fit the role and he's actually a villain and them fighting against him. I also think, well, I don't think, but I think it would make sense for them to uh, use this as an opportunity to, to introduce, like, the different weapon foundations where they happen to have uh, created uh, U.S. agent and use that as like, maybe not go straight out and say, here's Wolverine, here's Deadpool, they exist in this movie, but to like make references to the Weapon X program or make references to the program that created Deadpool without directly tying the characters in and making them have a role in the series. Yeah, I like these ideas. They sound like they make for really good, and they would set up some things, definitely, uh, within the universe. Because, again, if they set up the Weapon Plus program, that opens up a lot of doors for a lot of things they just got. Now, next yeah. is a franchise I'm myself not too familiar with, but Eternals is the next on the slot. And I have never heard of it until this point. So Eternals, in a sense, are precursor mutants? Kind of, but also kind so of not. No, so aliens, from what I remember of the plot of Eternals, because it's been a while since I've read up on the plot of Eternals, but the basic story is that uh, aliens, uh, well, celestials, uh, which are like what Ego was. Ego was a celestial, the planet dude from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Are those uh, guys we saw blow up planets in Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, they're the ones who... Um, created the Eternals because a group of giant space beings created mutants on Earth or started fucking around with human genes at the very least to try and create the perfect human. Uh, and from it sprouted both mutants as well as a race called uh, Deviants, which were uh, essentially mutants, but like evil. Uh, and so the Celestials created the Eternals to kind of fight against the deviants and protect the galaxy from these evil creatures that were created. Not to be confused um, with the Kree creating the uh, Inhumans. Yes, definitely not. It's a weird story. Um, yeah, so aliens come down to Earth. They fuck around with human DNA to try and perfect humans from what I remember. Only for uh, these kind of Celestials to come down and realize that what's happening is they're creating very powerful individuals and fucking them off into space, except also creating the Eternals at this time to fight against the evil ones who are trying to take over the universe, I think, if I remember correctly. Yep, and some key things to remember about the Eternals is they're ancient beings that can't really die, but they reincarnate in a sense. So every time they would die, they essentially come back to life in another form, but they don't always necessarily remember their past lives. And it's yes. very particular how you have to kill them. Like, they're almost completely indestructible. Yeah, I believe they even claim a lot of, like, great heroes throughout human's history. Like, Gilgamesh was one of the Eternals. Uh, and it's not that, like, our Gilgamesh was named after him or something. It's that the idea that 
heroes throughout human history have been different Eternals coming down to fight on Earth. And we just knew them as powerful humans because they never really outed themselves as Eternals. And then they fucked off back to space. And so we kind of created the story of these very powerful individuals from our history, only to have them later uh, be revealed that they're all these super beings who have been protecting us for time on end. Finally confirmation that the pyramids were built by ancient aliens. Exactly. Uh, Now, I believe the premise for this one is the movie is taking place in the modern day after the whole Snap stuff has happened. So this is not going to be a uh, intro to what the Eternals are. It's just going to be them reawakening. And the idea behind it is that the fact that the Infinity Gauntlet was snapped three times on Earth started causing some problems. Yeah, I'm going to read the synopsis that I've come across here. Just Marvel Studios, the Eternals features an exciting new team of superheroes in the MCU ancient aliens who have been living on Earth in secret for thousands of years. Following the events of Avengers Endgame, an unexpected tragedy forces them out of the shadows to reunite against mankind's most ancient enemy, the Deviants. Yeah, so I don't think they're going so much with the Eternals being the space-dwelling... So the thing about the Eternals comic books is it was always set in like the distant future, and they were usually took place in space and have all the Eternals being space-dwelling heroes. I think they're playing a slight, slight twist on that, where the Eternals have just been on Earth this entire time, just helping out humanity through, uh, from the shadows. Yeah, like a small group of them anyway. Yeah, and so this one's instead going with, yeah, it takes place modern day, just after the events of Endgame, and takes place on Earth predominantly. Because when have humans ever cared about shit that happens on planets other than Earth? Now, another fun thing about Eternals 2 that was announced is Kit Harington was cast as the Black Knight. So one thing I really like is it's not only uh, Kit Harington. Uh, was it? Yeah, Richard Madden was also uh, announced. Yeah, he's as one of the playing, Eternals. Uh, Icarus. So we've got two different Game of Thrones cameos. Well, not cameos, but Game of Thrones major characters making their appearance in uh, this. But yes, go back on to the Black Knight. Yep. Yeah, so the Black Knight is... A very important ancient hero within the Marvel Universe. Eventually, uh, well, essentially, uh, initially, the Black Knight was just like a medieval fantasy comic. They kind of, when they started rolling into like the greater Marvel Universe, decided that they were going to bring him to the modern day, uh, almost in like a Captain America way. But the, the way it works is the modern version we're getting, which is played by Kit Harington, is the ancestor of the original Black Knight, and they get this magical sword that helps him fight mystic uh, evils, essentially. Yeah, the Ebony Blade. Also, the blade slowly drives the user crazy. Yeah, it's important to note that the unlike the other characters who have been announced, uh, the Black Knight isn't an Eternal. Like, he isn't essentially immortal. It's just a title that's been passed down throughout this family for an incredibly long time. Uh, And, sorry, I forget what I was going to say. Um... Yeah, it's this title that's been passed down along with the sword that they use to fight magical enemies. So it's entirely possible that Kit Harrington and the Black Knight aren't going to have like a role as a part of the Eternals and presumably aren't even going to start out like on the same side as the Eternals, but are going to get introduced as a character who either also discovers the Deviants and starts fighting against them, only for the Eternals to discover him, or... The other way around, where the, while the Eternals are fighting the Deviants, Kit Harrington discovers the Eternals and starts 
realizing that they're evil and starts fighting against them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Also, Black Knight is friends with Union Jack, so maybe Union Jack. Ooh, that'd be fun. Another character I'm not familiar with. Think British Captain America. Yeah, he's essentially oh, British cool. Captain America. I mean, they're already introducing uh, Russian Captain America, so why not? Let's get a Captain America for every world. Okay, okay. It's only fair. Yeah, in the Black Widow movie, uh, the uh, oh, character is yeah. pretty much a Russian Captain America. Okay, yep. I, The guy from the trailer. Yep. So uh, we're starting to see all the kind of national heroes throughout the world. We're getting to see... Well, we have already seen Captain America repeatedly. We're going to see U.S. Agent. We've also seen uh, the Russian one, and we're potentially going to see Union Jack in uh, The Eternals. I feel like they might have the character that could become Union Jack show up. But not maybe not. But Union not Jack have him yet. in that role. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And just how Eternals sounds like it's going to be, I can almost say with certainty that an end credit scene is going to have Doctor Strange make an appearance. I mean, him and uh, Black Knight kind of have similar roles in a sense, so I could I see them having a connection of sorts. Because the Ebony Blade is definitely probably an item of concern for Doctor Strange, but. Maybe not in an end credit scene. Yeah, when you're looking at the well, when you're looking at the timeline, also goes Eternals, then uh, Shang Chi, WandaVision as a Disney Plus TV series, and then Doctor Strange. So they might want to find some way to slowly bring characters back in in little, I guess, tidbits to show know. what they've been dealing with. Yeah, to be fair, we are far past the point of this movie uh, named for this character is only for this character. They, they cross over a lot now. Yeah. yeah. Why, but when you said you thought Doctor Strange was going to appear at the end of Eternals in like a post-credit scene, in my mind, for whatever reason, my brain translated Doctor Strange to Mysterio, and I was like, what the fuck does he have to do with any of this bullshit? Why are you expecting him to make an appearance? Now, what if it's Mysterio, but it's actually threat. what if it's Mysterio, but it's actually Mysterio from another dimension? Like actually, like the story that that Mysterio made up was true to a person that looked just like him from another universe called Mysterio. He's like, I'm here to help, and then they just kill him. It's like, no, that's Mysterio. Yeah. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. He shows up in at the end of Eternals, and you just see fucking Tom Holland run on screen and bitch slap him across the face. <laughs> oh wait, because uh, at no. the end of Spider Man, Mysterio's a hero. Yes, according to uh, the the people, because yeah. he fought against the evil Spider Man and protected him from using his drones to kill people. So after Eternals, we get Shang Chi and the Legend of the Fine or Legend of the Ten Rings. So course correction for two things that have already kind of gotten poor reviews yes, we, in the Marvel Universe. We get a course correction for Iron Fist in the way of Shang Chi and the Mandarin. Yes, yes, we finally get the Mandarin who was heavily hinted at in Iron Man three, but didn't actually exist because for whatever reason, for the longest time, Marvel and it seems like a lot of superhero movies in general have just been terrified of by the idea of putting actual magic into their movies and not just like, they're a god, or science explained it, so they never really wanted to put the Mandarin into their film, so from what Kevin Feige says, we're actually finally getting the Mandarin. Uh, Matt, how good is your knowledge of the Mandarin? So, from what I've learned thus far, I just learned that he potentially can use magic? 
Yes. Well, not, actually, that's right. not correct. He's not actually magical. <laughs> he has ten magical rings that he no, wears. no, he has ten space rings from a dragon. He has ten rings that give him magical powers that it's he wears. Science powers from a space okay. dragon. Sounds just like Jack no, Chan Adventures. Definitely magic. Jack Chan Adventures and the Talismans all over again. That's actually not too far fetched from what okay. it is. Uh, that's but... all I know about uh, the Mandarin and this Shang Chi movie. Then. Now, to be fair, the Mandarin was hinted at earlier in the universe too, because there was actually that backlash from Iron Man three, and then they had the short back when they did the Marvel shorts. I believe it was called Hail to the King, where the guy who was pretending to be uh, the Mandarin the whole time in prison ends up meeting the real Mandarin. Oh, I've yes. got to watch that. I have. We seen also that. have uh, the. Well, we've had like a couple references to the Mandarin, like even in the very first Iron Man movie, I believe, when uh, the one criminal is like sending the message to Obadiah Stane about how you have to pay the bounty for Toby Stark or Tony Stark or we're gonna kill him. Except we don't know any of that because it's not said in English. You can see behind him that like ten circles uh, decal behind him that like heavily hints that he's actually working for the Mandarin, and then it's never acknowledged again. So. Uh, actually, been, like... it shows up again in uh, Ant-Man. One of the buyers that are trying to buy the uh, yellow jacket suit are have the uh, Ten Rings symbols on them. So they've been kind of wanting to... Well, maybe not wanting to, but they've been hinting about uh, including uh, the Mandarin for a while now, and I've just finally gotten around to actually including him in a movie properly. What have they got playing the Mandarin? Okay. Tony Leung Chuai. Cool. I do not know him, but I'm sure he'll be great. So uh, Shang-Chi is pretty much going to be a magic martial arts movie. Now that yeah, it, I'm excited for. Well, the best part about it is Shang-Chi, like traditionally, doesn't have any superpowers in any capacity. He's just a master of martial arts and knows like every form of martial, martial arts, uh, essentially. Uh, and later on, through kind of perfecting his art, ends up gaining the ability to clone himself and uses that in fights, which once he gains the ability to clone himself, that's when he's finally allowed to join the Avengers because he actually has a power beyond just good at fighting. But they let um, the guy who is just really good at bow and arrow on the team. Did, yeah. Uh, did I well, mention that uh, did, you guys know that Hawkeye also wasn't a superhero when he started off with, he was a circus performer, right? Yep. What? Yeah, in the First original comics, when he joined the Avengers, he was a circus performer. <laughs> yeah, because they didn't, this was, I believe, or at least in canon, I could be misremembering, at least for the, fuck, I'm going to end up getting lots of internet nerds mad at me for saying this, but it is my understanding that he didn't initially join as an Avenger, he had joined as like a spy who was working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and then later became an Avenger. And so when they wanted to spy, hiring a circus performer made perfect sense because he was good at all that dexterous shit that spies need to be good at. I mean, that certainly kind of adds up with what we first see of Hawkeye in the MCU. He's up in his own little perch overwatching the facility where they're doing research on the Tesseract. Actually, his first time was sitting in his perch watching Thor's hammer just sitting there. Yes. Uh. When he gets... No, he doesn't get actually controlled until uh, the first Avengers movie, but he does appear. Um, also, also uh, Hawkeye beat Thor in a fight, so uh, yeah. 
something you put on your resume front page and bold ironically uh this is probably not gonna appear in the movies but i think it's something you need to know matt mm-hmm. uh shang chi is the son of a fictional villain by the name of fu manchu uh very important information to have in your brain space when you go to see this movie Side i definitely mustache. got it i definitely see this movie since we kind of talked about the role that Black Widow is going to play in the story. I also talked a fair bit about what Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to do. I imagine that this movie is definitely mostly to introduce Shang-Chi, obviously, but I think they kind of plan on having Shang-Chi fill a pretty vital role in the Avengers, just where he's going to be another one of those characters who doesn't actually have superpowers and is just a very talented human, kind of at peak ability, and it's going to kind of show they're using this movie to show off his abilities before they introduce him as a character who's probably going to end up carrying a lot of the weight of the avengers in the future not to mention a uh, potential overarching villain with uh shang chi uh shang chi um the mandarin getting mandarin yeah the mandarin could very easily be a reoccurring enemy and could potentially be one of the larger enemies for this phase he's definitely capable of taking on multiple enemies uh at least according to the comic book's rep- representation we got. If we get another bullshit Mandarin who's not a capable individual, then people are not going to be happy with the MCU. But what if Killian oh, no, shows I up will, again I... just like, I am the Mandarin! Yep, I will be a little upset, just a little bit, if that guy does not see... show up in the movie. He didn't get to see the magical, bedazzled uh, fucking Mandarin. Now, to yeah. be fair, uh, Killian died, so he definitely isn't showing up because he kind uh, of got disintegrated. But uh, right, the guy yeah. that was pretending to be uh, the Mandarin could definitely play a role. Ben Kingsley? We get Ben Kingsley again? <laughs> I would love to have him back. He was fun. I, I think that'd be great. Uh, I mean, last we saw so him, he was with the Mandarin asked... when the Mandarin was like, oh, I see you were using my name. Uh, yeah, to be fair, we've also already had the casting announced and... Well, not the full casting, but we've had the casting for the Mandarin announced, and it is not Ben Kingsley. Oh, no, I don't mean him playing the Mandarin. I mean, like, having him in the movie in some capacity. Yes. I think that'd be great. Even having him, like... So after the short, we have, like, the Mandarin getting pissed off at Ben Kingsley for pretending to be the Mandarin, so potentially the Mandarin actually hires Ben Kingsley as a way of, like, paying back the debt to him, and so we end up having Ben Kingsley, like working for the villain in Shang-Chi, that's definitely possible. Uh, now, for the next uh, one, we have WandaVision, which is probably the Disney Plus thing I'm looking the most forward to. Yeah, that's fair. So from what we've seen of this, it looks like it's going to heavily be influenced by the House of M storyline. Uh, so in yep. this one, it looks like Wanda, who is still grieving very heavily after the death of Vision, using her powers, which looks like we're going more into her actual powers, not ma- just magic, but pretty much chaos abilities that she's had in the comic books that they didn't want to actually touch on in the movies so it looks like she makes some sort of pocket dimension where her and vision live out their lives through uh the medium of tv sitcoms and uh, if you look closely you can see that like a lot of the sets are going to be homages to actual sitcoms and stuff i think there was um full house was in there for a quick moment uh married with children stuff like that like a lot of different sitcom scenes were showing up for the sets but it looks like something's going to happen and they're going to start going wrong in some capacity, probably some outside influence. Uh, now, it was, uh, since 
Scarlet Witch was announced to be a big part in Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, and they're both so close together. Whatever happens in WandaVision is probably going to lead directly into Doctor Strange. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I suspect what's going to end up happening is, as you said, something's going to go wrong in their little pocket dimension, and she's probably going to get, like, hints of a different universe trying to kind of breach into theirs through her pocket dimension, because her... They're probably going to use some, like, bullshit of, like, her pocket dimension existing between the universe she's from and another universe. And so, at, towards the end of the story, she's going to leave her pocket dimension, and that's going to lead right into Multiverse of Madness, where she's going to end up tracking down Doctor Strange, or Doctor Strange is going to track down her for weakening the borders between dimensions, so that they kind of have to work together in Multiverse of Madness, when shit starts going weird exactly and it looks like we're gonna have the introduction of her and vision's children in this it also sounds like quicksilver might be coming back uh in the created universe she doesn't just make vision come back but she makes her uh brother quicksilver come back and he'll I fill mean, the uncle jesse role i guess of the series i mean if you're going to bring a create a pocket dimension to bring back the man you love who died you might as well also bring back the other person you loved who died uh, another interesting thing is this could be uh, an excellent setup for possibly Mephisto in the universe. Uh, I, I definitely misheard you and thought you said Mephisto and not That's Mephisto. What I heard. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, I really hope that character doesn't get introduced in this movie because that does not sound like the WandaVision I'm expecting to watch. But yes, yeah, if Mephisto was... gets introduced, I'd be down for that. Yeah, I was uh, hesitant to Google that name because I was... Uh, yeah, Mephisto, it's a demon that is always pretty much the devil. Okay. Yeah. In fact, uh, he's the person who makes the first uh, um, contract with the Ghost Rider. So obviously, so... Uh, WandaVision, something will go wrong. It, as you said, uh, it could create some sort of rift with reality that Doctor Strange actively se seeks here out. It could even end that WandaVision ends with her being trapped in this dimension, and Doctor Strange goes in to try to stop whatever it is, and he gets stuck in it too. Hence the multiverse yeah. of madness. So I definitely think that WandaVision is directly... Well, they've already said that the series ends at the beginning of Multiverse of Madness, but I think her actions in WandaVision is going to be the cause of the plot in Multiverse of Madness. Like, I think she's going to be the driving force behind that whole movie taking place. Yep. So next up after WandaVision, we get Loki, which is another one of these... Well, expanding also on after Doctor Strange as well. Yeah, isn't Doctor Strange... Oh no, Doctor Strange is before Loki. You're right. When you're right, you're right. Well, I feel uh, so like we with what we talked about WandaVision, we kind of talked about Doctor Strange, but uh, another key thing is where it's called Multiverse of Madness, and just the abilities that Wanda has as the Scarlet Witch, it does seem like with things we've had hinted so far, they might actually be looking at the possibility of multiple dimensions with Doctor Strange, us seeing them. Now, a fun fact about this one, uh, Raimi is the one that's going to be directing Doctor Strange. You might know him as the person who is responsible for the original Spider-Man trilogy uh, with uh, yeah, everyone's I believe, favorite Peter Parker, Tobey Maguire. I believe we've already even had confirmed uh, cameos of both uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Oh, really? In... I haven't heard about that, but if that is the fact, that would be really cool, because I was kind of hoping that would be a thing. I think it's been confirmed, but I believe someone did an interview with Raimi where he said he would like to at least uh, have them make cameos. I don't know if it's been fully confirmed that they will, but from what I've read, 
uh, Raimi has expressed an intention to do so. And another good thing with having Raimi do this is he also is responsible for a famous, very cheesy horror series known as The Evil Dead. So I'm yes. very confident in him doing horror in the Marvel Universe with this movie. Oh yeah. Boy. So this will be the one MCU movie from Phase 4 that Matt just flat out refuses to see. And probably the one I'm the most excited for out of all of them. Yes. Yeah, I think this one's going to be spectacular. I think I think Mephisto also is a pretty good argument for him kind of being introduced in WandaVision. I think it would make sense for, once again, him to be introduced in WandaVision and then him to be kind of the primary antagonist in Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, like, I feel like... Well, even then, I feel like Mephisto might not even be the villain of Doctor Strange or WandaVision. I feel like he'll be, he can be introduced and set up for maybe he's pulling some strings. And you could set him up as the big bad of like the next couple of arcs, too, uh, as he is powerful yes. enough to definitely be on that Thanos level of threat. And with characters like Blade being introduced, he definitely fits the darker thematic that we could be seeing with this. Yes. Another thing they could do that I would be furious at them for doing but once they start introducing the multiverse, they can start bringing in characters who have died off or who have been written out through other means. And they could, and people would riot, but they could just have another fucking Thanos. And, oh, I'm already mad just thinking about the thought that that's an option that they can take. Like, people, there's backlash to whatever villain they introduce, and they realize it's not going to work. It's like, you know, what worked before... Thanos. Let's just introduce another Thanos through the multiverse and have oh, him and be the Thanos the from the What If universe. Where <laughs> what if Thanos did things a little differently? Pull on a Thanos who, instead of wanting to save the world by managing the population, the Thanos from the comic books who's actually just obsessed with death and wants to kill people for the sake of earning loves or earning death's love. Or the Thanos that was a good father and snapped his fingers and doubled the resources in the universe. The the Thanos who actually understands basic economics. Yeah, I they could do that. They I mean, shouldn't, but they could. This also opens up the possibility of introducing, for example, say there was characters in the Defenders Netflix series that they really liked that they want to move over. Well, guess what? Another universe. We brought characters over. Uh, I know a lot of Speaking people have been with... talking about Daredevil, uh, the character playing him, that he was really good. Same with uh, the actress that was playing Jessica Jones, which were probably two of the most popular ones. Uh, yeah. Also... Uh, the guy who was playing the Punisher, uh, Berthanol, did an yeah. excellent job. And yeah, not I think just, he was a spectacular Punisher. And not just the Netflix things, any Marvel property before that has existed, you can now bring characters over saying it was another universe. Speaking of the Defenders things, I thought to, I forgot to bring this up uh, when we were talking about Shang-Chi, but I do believe both, not the same actors necessarily, but both uh, Liu Kang, not Liu Kang, uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist have been fully confirmed to be in Shang-Chi in some capacity. Oh, really? I didn't hear that either, but that would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, now, not all the actors did amazing in the Netflix series, but I would like to see, just for continuity's sake, them to come over because a lot of the actors in that one did a really good job with what they had. Yeah, I think, uh, as you said, I think Daredevil was fantastic. I think Jessica Jones is quite good. John Barenthal was an amazing Punisher. I actually did quite like uh, Luke, the guy who played Luke Cage. Uh, Iron Fist, I wasn't so keen on, but I'll accept him if he comes with the other three. Um, they could also use this as an opportunity to uh, bring back, oh, what was his name? Uh, Mr. Purple. I think he was also fantastic. 
Uh, and the, again, like I was saying, it doesn't have to be just Netflix things. It could be any previous iterations of the Punisher they made. If they want to do like, you know, an old man Punisher uh, idea that comes up or even previous Spider-Man that have been in the universe. Like there's a lot of other Marvel movies yeah. that have been made that aren't really connected to anything. Uh, bring over Ben Affleck as a daredevil <laughs> for just like a cameo or something like that. Oh, that'd be spectacular. Yeah, I don't think all that's going to happen in this movie, but them finally acknowledging the whole multiverse thing does allow them to kind of keep that door open in the future. Yeah, but it definitely opens up the possibility of starting to bring over characters. Now, another thing that'd be interesting is there have been rumors that with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ending, there's a few cast members they would like to bring over into the fold from that TV show. Uh, one of them being uh, Chloe Bennett, the one who plays Quake, which is another notable mutant within the universe. Well, uh, inhuman, I guess. But uh, essentially, they would. Uh, there's been rumors that she's going to come over for another Disney Plus series, which is going to be Agents of Sword, which is going to star uh, Nick Fury uh, doing his thing in space, because we've already had a confirmation that Sword is going to become a thing moving forward. Uh, so nice. that could even be an excuse for bringing her over, her over if they don't want to say, oh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was fully canon, because a lot of stuff that is very different from the Marvel Universe movies we've seen so far has happened. They could say, oh, that was a different dimension, and she actually got pulled over, and she's now working with S.H.I.E.L.D. that's on this end, or S.W.O.R.D. in this case. Yes. yes. After Doctor Strange and the Multiverse Madness, we have Loki, which is another one of those expanding on a single moment stories where it just follows the story of what the Loki did in Endgame after getting a hold of the Space Zone. So this one also might be related to the Multiverse of Madness because they created a separate timeline, which could just as easily mean they created a separate universe that this whole story takes place in, where Loki has a hold of the Space Zone and finally gets to do whatever the fuck he wants with it, which he's been trying to do for a while. Yeah, and uh, uh, I believe they also said the the reason that the... Uh, letters are all different types of spelling of Loki or different fonts is to uh, reiterate the fact that he's traveling through not just reality, but time in his little uh, trickster adventure. So we're getting like full on trickster Loki, not necessarily evil Loki. Okay. Yeah. We're not getting necessarily the Loki we've seen throughout the MCU so far, but a Loki who's yeah, more of a trickster fits more into the role that some character or some people know him from comic books not so much the character he's played in the movies all the time and they've also tried to retcon this a bit too because there has been a lot of after the fact changes where they've kind of said well loki wasn't fully evil in the first avengers movie because he had the mind stone the whole time so thanos was manipulating him using the mind stone so he was kind of forced into the full-on villain role that he didn't end up having later on in the series which yeah, is why when you look at it that way it makes sense well, his actions make a little more sense because everyone sees him as a villain and he's just trying to do what he wants to do and get out of things scot-free. Yeah, and that explains his big jump from... Because uh, in Thor, obviously, the first one, he was kind of a villain role, but he wasn't like a full-on, like, I'm going to murder everyone type of villain. But yeah. then automatically when he shows back up in Avengers, he looks he looks more evil is a better way to explain it. And then after he yes. ends up losing the staff, he ends up kind of having a redemption arc. And even in the comics, Loki has kind of become a pseudo hero. Which is one of the things that's really cool about this Loki series is they specifically in the movie Endgame make a point of having him not have the staff, but do have the space stone. So we know that element of control from Thanos is completely gone. It is him 
fully free to do his own bidding with the space zone. So we know first thing on his list is not create a portal into Thanos's realm so that he can bring all of his aliens forward to conquer earth. It's he can now do whatever the fuck he wants with the space stone. Yeah. And it's hard to see where this one's going to tie into everything just with how abstract it is and how much little information we've had. But I feel like the Loki one, they could tie it into Loki is somewhat responsible for letting loose whatever the big bad could be well the thing i think is or the power the big bad gets fitting i i feel like so far from what we've seen a lot of the disney plus series don't seem to have direct impact on the mcu as a whole but more so direct impact on the movies in the mcu like for instance i definitely think that falcon and the winter soldier is gonna touch on characters who will later become a part of the MCU, not necessarily itself have a huge part, and where Loki at least was originally slated to come out shortly before uh, Love and Thunder from Thor, I think it kind of makes sense that perhaps this introduces the idea of these kind of different realms. Since we already know that uh, in Thor, Love and Thunder, it's not actually the original uh, Chris Hemsworth uh, Thor, it's actually going to be what's her name? The girl, Natalie Portman. Yeah, Jane uh, Foster. Is going, is, uh, yeah. Jane Foster is going to be kind of taking over as Thor, and she's going to fill the role of Thor. So I think it's entirely possible that what Loki, the series, does is kind of create the opportunity for us to kind of accept her as Thor and see how she was given the chance to become Thor. And then I think Thor and Love and, Handmer, uh, Love and Thunder is going to actually depict her becoming Thor, but I think Loki is going to create the opportunity for her to become Thor. And to be fair, I did hear that almost flub where you said Thor Love and Hammer and that would have been an also acceptable title for that movie. I don't know why, but for the first like year after this movie was announced, in my head it was always Love and Hammers and not Love and Thunder. <laughs> so that's just what I've been calling it internally and it wasn't until today when I googled the map just to make sure I got all the names right that I noticed that it was Love and Thunder not Love and Hammers like I had just decided internally I guess. And if you say it faster it's just Thor Love and Hammers. Yeah. Now uh, here's a a fun idea because if the Loki one is him going around being trickster what if the plot uh, happens that he ends up going back in time and stealing Thor's power and then it accidentally gets transferred to uh, Jane and she has to be the one to stop Loki like maybe Loki kidnaps Thor after taking his powers or uh Back in the original comics, uh, Thor only got his powers when he picked up his hammer because he was actually a normal human, but then we found out that he was actually just trapped there by Loki before. Maybe they're resetting that original plot line where he tricks Thor or traps him in a human form thinking he's actually a human with history, and then it's up to her to take up the Thor mantle to save him. Yeah, it's entirely possible that's what happens. It's also possible that, so as we already know, man, I don't love this idea, but they could jump back to that original moment where Thor was trapped on Earth and unable to pick up his hammer and lost the powers of Thor. It's entirely possible that they could create a situation where Loki manages to go back in time and kidnap Thor at that moment while he hasn't yet picked up the hammer. And then since we know that Jane's team was investigating this strange occurrence out here, that she could, through some weird circumstance, end up picking up the hammer. So we get uh, Jane Foster who gets the powers of Thor without having any personal knowledge of Thor, the individual that we've been introduced to throughout several movies. And then it ends up through more 
chicanery kind of bringing her to our universe that most of the MCU takes place in so far. And then we end up having both fat old man Thor and Jane Foster, young hip lady Thor, uh, (laughs) both existing within the same universe. Now, the one thing we have to be careful, though, is anything going back in time, I feel like we're probably going to be wrong with if the change affects the past and not the current, because I don't think they want to keep going back and forth with time travel. I think they want to kind of nip that in the bud and not have it be a big factor. Just well, because the thing they... is, it doesn't necessarily have to be time travel. Where they've already introduced the multiverse of madness, this can literally just be an alternate universe where this takes place. But... Well, that's true. Yeah, that, that would work if it was alternate universe. But if it was like, you know, he t- kidnaps him in the past in the main universe, then we have to assume yeah, that that's... it was Lady Thor through all of the stuff up to this point, which just makes it a bit more confusing. So if it is the main Jane Foster we've seen up to this point, it has to be something that changes her current day. Yes, I, I don't think it's possible that... They would actually take the modern Jane Foster who's existed through three movies and then kind of transfer her back in time and make her the Thor. I think it's much more likely that they're either going to take a Jane Foster from another universe that has no knowledge of Thor and turn her into Thor or have something happen to Thor in current day and have her have to take up the mantle of Thor in order to kind of save Thor, which would make sense for the name Love and Thunder, given that she essentially ends up doing all of this out of love of Thor. Or love of thunder. Or hammers. Or love of thunder. Or love of hammers. Uh, now, I do want to give uh, an applause here, a little bof- brief aside, but uh, I want to just point out the fact that the design team that did Thor Love and Thunder fully resisted the fact of turning that R into a 4. I think it looks... Well, the font they chose for that title looks so good. Yeah, it's got a very, like... He-Man or Conan the Barbarian vibe to it. Yeah. I wanted to it's mention like... that it kind of looks like the, an old comic book title style. See, what it reminds me of is like an 80s metal band, like the art that would appear on their album. That's what it reminds me of. Oh, definitely. Well, like Guardians did a big deal for like setting what the space universe was, which Thor never really did up to this point. And then yes. Thor latched onto it and it just revitalized the franchise fully. Yeah. Yeah. So now, uh, bef- we kind we- of jumped past what if to get to Thor Love and Thunder, but also we talked a bit about what if at the beginning. So. Yeah, I'd say we already talked about what if. We did jump past Hawkeye, but before we go back to Hawkeye, I want to go over one more thing for Thor Love and Thunder. So at the end of Endgame, Thor is with the Guardians. Yes. You, uh, but Guardians 3 is going to happen after the fact now. Do you think the Guardians are going to be in Thor? I don't think so. That is part of my reason for believing that this happens in an alternate universe, just because, while yes, they could have a story where the Guardians appear in Thor, I think, given that the Guardians have kind of built it up that their plan going forward is to try and track down Gamora in some fashion, I think it's unlikely that they'll have the Guardians appear in the Thor movie, and more so have it more focus around the Jane Foster Thor story, and have... uh, so in my mind, there's in so, my mind, ahead. there's two ways that they can do it. There's one where they have a little a side joke where Thor left the Guardians because he got tired of competing with uh, Star Lord. Yeah. Or uh, they will be part of the team, but he ends up getting like some sort of distress call or something happens where he's like, "Oh no, Jane's in trouble," and he goes off to find her. But the Guardians want to keep doing their thing. But then you can still have in the climax if you make it a villain that's not just a singular villain, but a villain who has an army of some sort 
or a team, you can even have him call in the Guardians as a cameo for the final fight to help out with, you know, the grunts in a sense. Well, also, I think it's important to note that if we don't end up getting an Avengers movie announced at the end of Phase 4, then Thor is the final movie in Phase 4. So it would make sense to have that be the movie where we finally get to see the main big bad who's going to be against them. So if that's the case, then it's a lot less likely to be our predictions of it being a Norman Osborn or a Doctor Doom, and a lot more likely to be some sort of space-based big bad uh, at the end of this like one as Galactus well. or such. Yeah, yes, we have like to remember, a... Galactus is still out there with the Supreme Intelligence. There's a lot of characters that are on the cosmic level that are still out there. So it's entirely possible that what ends up happening is that one introduces the big bad who's going to be the enemy for the entire saga, just like how Thanos was the enemy for the Infinity Saga, the first three phases. It's entirely possible that what this is going to do is it's going to introduce some Galactus, some other galactic type enemy and then entirely possible that phase five is going to be focused more around what's going to happen here on earth and might at that point introduce a norman osborn or uh dr doom in fact i think something i was reading about uh black panther read that they were planning on including dr doom in the upcoming black panther movie so yeah, that there's been be hints cool. of Doctor Doom, Namor, and a few others to name, but we won't know yeah. for sure till we actually get a date for that, most likely. I was going to say, uh, now, uh, if we go back to Hawkeye, uh, did you have anything else about Thor you wanted to say? Or... Nope, that's all I wanted to say about Thor. Uh, so uh, we're going to go back to Hawkeye here, which comes out, uh, it's just listed as fall, uh, so there's a yes. chance it might come out really close to Thor Love and Thunder. But I feel like this is going to be probably, out of all of the things announced so far, that it has a defined date, the most grounded st- series we're going to get in the universe completely. <laughs> Yes, because from what I understand, this one predominantly takes place during that time when Hawkeye was acting as Ronin between Infinity War and uh, Endgame. So it's going to kind of follow the story of Hawkeye's descent into madness after the death of his family and watching him become Ronin. At the very least, at the beginning of the series, it's going to follow that. And then might end up following later on his story after uh, Natasha Romanoff kills herself and kind of him trying to find a spot for himself in the world now. Yeah, uh, I don't know how much they've released about it. I haven't actually heard much myself. Uh, but something that could work as a cool story plot is set it in two times, uh, kind of uh, in align what we were saying, where we would have scenes flashing back to him doing Ronin and this horrible stuff. And then the modern would be him in a kind of redemption, trying to make up for that stuff. And there's been a whole uh, idea that it's going to be a passing of the torch to uh, Kate Bishop, who will become the next Hawkeye. And that certainly seems more plausible in my mind. Uh, so you could even have it. it that... a... Oh, sorry. It would be a little weird to start off the season pre-Avengers Endgame with uh, Hawkeye just uh, spiraling down into Ronin persona. So At it might some not... point in the season or the series, all of a sudden just time skip that huge event and make him Hawkeye again. They might not necessarily do it that way, but I think... It's definitely going to cover the Ronin timeline with him becoming Ronin between, but I don't think it's just going to focus on that. At the same time, it's a little bit hard for them to set a story of him superheroing after uh, the events of Endgame, just where he kind of spent that entire time doing some horrible shit because he lost his family. The idea of his family coming back and him deciding to still keep superheroing instead of 
spending his remaining time with his family and kind of hanging up the bow. So what might end up happening is they might kind of tell the story of him post, uh, oh fuck, post Endgame, where he is kind of living happily with his family. Something horrible happens to his family, or something horrible happens in the outside world. And it kind of flashes back to his time as Ronan and then ends up with him, yes, passing off the uh, torch to Kate Bishop and kind of potentially training her in how to fill his role. Uh, I like that idea of him, uh, I guess, tying up loose ends and just like cleaning up his mistakes so he can live his family life and pass on his responsibilities. Uh, So here's two ideas I have, uh, depending on what they want to do. Both can have the uh, middle ground of flashing back to Ronan, and you can have it parallel scenes that are happening in the modern day, and him have to struggle with not making the choices that he used to, like where he would just kill bad guys and all that stuff, like him kind of redeeming himself and struggling to make the right choice in those situations. You can do it one of two ways. You can go full Taken and have it that his daughter is the one that's kidnapped, uh, because there's been ideas that she could fill the Kate Bishop role, uh, he's even called her Hawkeye uh, in the movie uh, when they were doing the bow training before she got snapped out of existence. Or you can have it that Kate Bishop is another character and it could be something like he had a friend or uh, someone like that who he made a promise to during the snap period and something happens to that friend and he has to go find Kate Bishop or, you know, take care of her. But she's not, you know, going to just go with him willingly. She's kind of like the rough around the edges kid. So something ends up happening that he has to help her with. And ends up kind of teaching her the ways of the Hawkeye. Either way, you set up either his daughter or this new character, which would be the Kate Bishop character, as the person to take on the mantle of the Hawkeye. I'm certainly leaning more towards uh, his daughter taking up the mantle. Because, like you mentioned, that scene where we see his daughter is really good with the bow, that's clearly foreshadowing something. That being said, I do think they've actually announced... Well, I don't know if they've specifically announced, but they mentioned in... Uh, late 2019 that Haley Steinfeld was being considered to play the role of Kate Bishop in Hawkeye, so I think it is more likely that it's going to be passed on to Kate Bishop instead of his daughter, and potentially just where his daughter got flipped, she's not going to be any older post-Endgame than she was at the beginning of Endgame, so she's still going to be quite young in this timeline, so I don't think it's likely he'd be passing the torch off to her directly but he might pass it off to kate bishop and in the future kate bishop might pass it off to his daughter but i don't think it's likely that he'll be involving his daughter directly in any of this just where he's also seen the danger of being a superhero i don't think he wants his daughter to exist in any of that danger exactly is this hawkeye going to be the person that lets his daughter become a superhero definitely not after everything that's happened yeah i think I think his main goal uh, post-Endgame is to be with his family and to not put them in any more danger. And it might feature a little bit of a redemption arc where his family's brought back. But as you saw with his kind of fight with Black Widow during the uh, scene with the Soul Stone, he doesn't think he's worthy of having his family back. And he thinks his family should come back, but he doesn't deserve to be with them anymore. So it might start off with him trying to earn redemption so that he can be with mm. his family. But I don't see there being a world where he to his daughter and puts her in that kind of position. Yeah, he definitely doesn't it's want like, his daughter in that position, but uh, 
don't know what his daughter wants. And if you play it with the idea, too, of uh, what I was saying, where it could be he had a friend or somebody he was working with during the snap period, it could be, too, that uh, that would be your window into showing what happened as Ronin, because you could go back and him working with this person, uh, and that person could be even talking about his daughter or something who got snapped or something like that. And then you could even have it something like maybe he dies and Ronin's on his own, but then when everyone gets brought back, it could be Hawkeye's mission to go find his daughter and, you know, something like that. In fact, even if you, like, look at the panel they released that has the titles of all the different movies, the artwork they used for the title of the Hawkeye movie is fucking identical to the artwork, or the way they wrote Hawkeye at the on the cover of the first issue about the Kate Bishop Hawkeye. So yep. I think it's very heavily going to focus on the Kate Bishop story and might have a little bit of a passing torch moment, but I think it's going to focus more on Kate Bishop as Hawkeye rather than about clint burton as hawkeye it might have some flashbacks now that i think about it i don't think the ronin stuff is going to appear as heavily in the series they might get a couple flashbacks but i don't think it's actually going to be much of a thing beyond him just realizing that he doesn't deserve to fight crime anymore since he knows that it's just one bad day away from killing people instead of just arresting them or defeating them yeah and while that would be neat to see i fully expect that we'll just get that in little flashbacks and uh, things characters say as he potentially tries to make up for the mistakes he's made. Yes. Uh, so really the only thing left now, which is things that are kind of not really confirmed for Phase 4, but not not confirmed for it either, which would be Blade, Fantastic Four, She-Hulk, uh, Miss Marvel, and Moon Knight. Do you guys want to go over what those could mean for the universe too? We've also had the third Spider-Man movie, but yeah. So, so let, let's start with the two ones that aren't traditional Marvel. Well, they're Marvel comic stories, but they've been covered by other production studios recently. So Blade and Fantastic Four and what yeah. they're all about. So Mahershala yeah. Ali was cast as Blade. That was kind of confirmed. This is going to introduce vampires into the Marvel Universe, uh, which yep. we're going to be curious if they're going to be a result of maybe the Eternals or Multiverse of Madness or something else. I think Multiverse of Madness is a better fit for the introduction to uh, uh, of Vampires, just where oh, yeah, but, it kind of uh, makes sense that they end up in some sort of dark gothic universe where vampires and werewolves and all this bullshit actually exists, and that's kind of how we get Blade, rather than... Because the thing about the Eternals is, if the Eternals is how they're going to introduce uh, vampires, the Eternals' whole idea, at least from what we can understand of the plot is that they've always been here on Earth and they've been fighting against the Deviants this entire time. So the idea that Blade introduces vampires kind of implies that, or Blade introduces vampires through the Eternals kind of implies that vampires have always been a part of the MCU. They've just been hiding the entire time, which seems like a bit more of a stretch than just saying that they came through an alternate universe. Uh, not necessarily, because you could make it that they've been around hiding and maybe something caused an increase in their species recently due to all the goddamn snaps that happened on Earth. But the reason I was saying or, Eternals is because Eternals sets up, if we want to say something was here the whole time, Eternals gives you that window of having that. We could even say vampires are some sort of, uh, you know, one of the deviants created them long ago or something like them that have created the modern vampire. Yeah, because if you look at it, humans are a vampire's food source if these vampires are the same as what, we have in our fiction and i take it they are 
blood-sucking vampires? Yes. The blade vampires are very much the vampires we are familiar with, except the titular character, Blade, is a vampire who can survive in sunlight and also hunts other vampires. To be fair, him being a vampire that can walk in the sunlight because he's the daywalker only happened because of the Wesley Snipes Blade. Before that, he was just a normal person. So I could fully see that as, uh, I guess, some, or the vampires coming from, like, the deviants in some capacity. Because as Keith said, the whole snap thing, their food source got cut in half immediately for, what, four years, five years? I just, I think it's risky to do that, given going back and saying this thing has existed in the universe this entire time, and we just haven't acknowledged it until now, is always a risky move. kind of the same as, uh, not really acknowledging uh, the Mandarin. Well, the Mandarin was kind of acknowledged through, I guess, Mr. Hoke's character. Yeah, and that also opens up the scroll were on planet Earth before everything. Same with Captain Marvel. Uh, there's a lot yeah, of things and, that they kind of just put in after the fact. Yeah, and then the Tesseract and a couple other things were, oh, these were Infinity Stones. Yes, but what I'm trying to say is that kind of every time they go back and introduce major plot devices or major species that have existed the entire time it always raises questions about stuff going on so for instance the idea that shield at one point in time had the ability to scan the dna and vitals of every living being on earth simultaneously and determine who's a member of hydra and who's not a member of hydra the idea that they could scan every living being on earth check their vitals and not tell that a certain percentage of humanity didn't have a beating heart or that vampires existed it I think it's a bit of a stretch to say that they've always been here rather than to introduce them as a new thing that now exists in our universe. So True, and I, I see what you're saying, but it's kind of the same, I guess, rabbit hole that you're jumping into with opening multiverses. Yeah, and Black when Panther, you're... you would say, you could say is the same thing where Wakanda existed this whole time, but it was just hidden, right? No one knew about it. You can make the same argument because without because va- the vampires, I feel like to put them in the Marvel Universe because Blade, the, Mar- the vampire lore goes all the way back into like medieval times like the black knight even fought vampires so you you kind of lose a lot of the background of vampires because then how did blade become the vampire hunter he is if he wasn't bitten when he was well his mother was bitten when she was pregnant with him that has to happen at least you know 20 or so years before the snap would have happened like uh, this is how i see it if you're uh, writing things back into the past as they existed we just never had any mention of them that leaves plenty of blank spaces in between everything that's been written about to add more things and say, oh, this is why it didn't happen. This is why it did happen. With the multiverse, conversely, you have all of a sudden a window of infinite possibilities that you can just draw whatever out of. It's kind of the same trap that you fall into. You have some sort of excuse to use to bring in things that weren't there before. And uh, in, uh, in my little bit on why S.H.I.E.L.D. couldn't ever detect vampires with their thing that could scan all humans on earth what if it could just scan humans on earth and wasn't able to pick up eternals or deviants i'm not saying that they can't have had vampires the entire time i'm all i'm trying to say is the more often that they go back and introduce new elements that have been there the entire time and they just weren't talking about until this time like we already know that they're going to have to go back and say that mutants have existed this entire time. They're going to have to go back with so many different concepts and say that it existed the the entire time. So the more often they do that, then the more it detracts from the story. And 
lessens the value of everything that happens because they're just going to go back later and say that didn't actually happen. We're retconning it. It was vampires the whole time. So allowing them to retcon to introduce new types of creatures into their universe, I find cheapens the effect of everything that comes afterwards. Yes, you're saying with the Multiverse of Madness, it gives them an opportunity to introduce whatever they want to in the future, but the difference is it's an in-universe reason to introduce everything, whereas going back retconning and saying that vampires were a part of it all of the entire time is an out-of-universe reason to kind of introduce these different concepts. So the more times they use something out-of-universe to introduce a new concept cheapens the effect of everything that still exists within that universe. So Technically, also, multiverse is out-of-universe, just out of the universe that we're familiar with. It's pulling things from other universes. And just one key thing for the vampires, too, they wouldn't want to be noticed. Uh, So we don't know how the vampires are going to work with the universe. The whole thing about the heart not beating might not be a factor. It it could just be that, you know, there are things that need to feed off blood and all that. And they might have a system in place, uh, like maybe, you know, one of the vampires runs a massive hospital or a blood bank that they just kind of like siphon the money, uh, the blood out of, and no one really notices. But because the snap happens and the population drops so quickly, maybe they became more feral. And that's why they're more prominent and known now, because the food source was so short that they weren't able to live that secluded life and started attacking people more often. And yeah. that could be how what, Blade what... tracks them. And what I agree that... with you, Peter, in that uh, it can be a little overbearing and... I guess I, a vote for writing things in that have that didn't actually exist, but then they're like, oh no, this existed all the time. But if you look at it from the perspective of the characters that we have, then uh, yeah, there was no reason any of the characters existing so far had to know what a vampire was. Yeah, if you look at it from the perspective of the characters that we have, none of the characters that we've interacted with have had any reason whatsoever to know or to be aware of the vampires. Also, yeah, vampire sees know. Thor walking down the street. He's not going to think, mm, "I'm going to get me a bite of that." He's going to be like, "Oh, I should probably stay away from that man." Yeah, and uh, Shield's ability to scan all. Ignore the comment about Shield's ability to scan people. Ignore that comment entirely. I'm just okay. saying, every time they go back in time and introduce a concept that's existed the entire time, it creates holes that they later have to go back and plug up and explain away. Yes, there's an explanation for why Shield wasn't able to detect the vampires. I'm just saying. It cheapens the value of everything in the universe if they keep going back and introducing new things that change everything about the universe and forces them to retcon things they've already written. Yes, they can come up with explanations. I'm not saying that they're not allowed to say that vampires were always a part of it. I'm saying to me it is far more preferable if they say that they came in during the Multiverse of Madness situation than it is for them to go back and say... Uh, vampires were always here. Uh, trust me, they were always here. I don't care that we never talked about them and we grounded our universe very heavily in the real world. We're now going back in time and saying that vampires always existed, and in the future, who knows? Maybe zombies always existed and we've just never touched on them before now. It cheapens the value of the story as a whole. Yes, they can go back and say whatever the fuck they want about their series. They can easily say that vampires existed this entire time. We just never noticed that vampires existed before today. It just cheapens the value because the moment they introduce fucking Galactus and they're like, Galactus is a problem we need to deal with. Later on, they can just introduce, oh, guns that kill Galactus are a thing that always existed and we just didn't need them until Galactus showed up. But now we just happen to have a gun that kills Galactus and we've always had it. I mean, once they have Reed Richards, that's a possibility with everything. I'm just saying the (laughs) idea of going back and introducing a concept that's always been here, it's going to be hard enough to do with the mutants. They have that covered through the Eternals because the 
Eternals were essentially the first mutants, and other mutants could have spawned out of them. It's entirely possible for them to write it in. It's going to be difficult because if your child's born a mutant, that's the kind of thing that you post about on social media and ends up becoming a known part of the world you live in. If you get bitten by a vampire and it doesn't kill you, that's the kind of thing you talk to people about and make sure that they're aware of. If you get bitten by a vampire and it does kill you, that's the kind of thing that your family talks about and it becomes made aware of. It's not impossible. It cheapens the value of the story if they just tell you that vampires are around and have existed since the beginning. And to your point where they could have just had a blood bank and weren't actually attacking people, if they aren't hurting a single human being, why does Blade care about eradicating them if they haven't hurt a single person? You said they have to have bitten his mother for him to exist, but if they've bitten his mother, that proves that they're out there biting people. And biting pe people getting bit by a vampire tend to sell that story. Even if it gets washed under the rug where it's like, that guy was just drunk. If hundreds of thousands of people are telling the same story, it gets washed under the rug a lot less easily. Yeah, but on that point, the vampires wouldn't be that stupid because they'd have to survive. They would have been hunted in medieval times to probably extinction or close to, so they would have had to play it smart. And you don't have to say that no one in the universe didn't know about them. You could say S.H.I.E.L.D. knew about vampires. They knew about mutants. And that also helps cover up the why it wasn't more widespread. S.H.I.E.L.D. wouldn't want to actively let people know. In fact, the first phase of Marvel was them trying to hide these superheroes from the world by covering things up. They tried to cover up that Tony Stark was Iron Man. They tried to hide the fact of what happened in that town with Thor. You just say S.H.I.E.L.D. was covering it up. S.H.I.E.L.D. gets defunct, but at that point, they've already covered up so much that in the span of S.H.I.E.L.D. going down and the snap happening, that's, what, about four to five years uh, at most? So you can easily say that it was existing up to that point, just kept under wraps by a lot of people, and it doesn't really break the universe as there was no reason for Director Fury or anyone like that to say, hey, uh, vampires exist. Yeah, there's just, just a couple more things that I want to say, and... They're the last things that I'm going to say on this whole topic, and we can move on. <laughs> One, Nick Fury likes to cover things up. Including his eye. Yeah, that's a fact. Two, I agree with you, Peter, that uh, I absolutely hate any time that people, that writers retcon things or say, this always existed, just deal with it. I fully hope that Marvel writes them in if it's the if it's the possibility that they came that the vampires were always here and just uh, they were kept secret and no one knew about them whatever that they're written in in such a way that it makes sense not just that it's some cheap cop out that they were put in yeah that's the key it, it can be done and, good it can be done poorly we just have to assume it's yeah, done good until it's... otherwise and i was always skeptical about multiverses cuz yes the possibilities i love multiverse theory and that there's an infinite amount of possibilities but as soon as you can start drawing from them it gives an easy way to uh jump to the conclusions that you want and i don't know it just seems like an easy way out for writers so i'm always a little hesitant when it comes to multiverse stuff in writing fuck it i'm not going to keep talking about this because it's going to make me mad if i have to keep explaining why it's a bad idea for them to go back in time and just say this is a thing that's always existed, deal with it. But if you guys feel like that's a good idea for them to do, power to you. It's going to annoy the fuck out of me if they think that's a cool thing for them to do and get away with. I'm probably going to become quite fed up with Marvel if they pull that off. But if they actually go back and say, here's how vampires got introduced to the story, 
I'll fucking love them and I'll keep going to see them. All I'm trying to say, I'm not trying to say they're not allowed to do it that way. I'm not trying to say they can't do it that way. I'm all that I'm trying to say is it cheapens the value of the story if you allow the people to just go back and say that something was a part of the story the entire time, accept it and move on. Because as I've already said, it gives them the power to do that whenever they want to introduce something. They don't have an excuse for how to defeat a villain. Go back and say that the ability to defeat him has always existed and they just... The main character didn't happen to know about the fact that every human on Earth has the ability to fly. Like, it just... It cheapens the value of the story the moment they start going back and retconning stuff like that. Anyways, let's stop talking about fucking Blade because I didn't think this would be a point of contention for us, but we've been arguing about it extensively now. So there's really just one more thing I want to touch on. Now, this is pretty much confirmed. It's probably going to be Phase 5, but I just want to touch on it briefly. So we know Spider-Man 3 is going to deal with the fact that Peter Parker has been outed as Spider-Man and is pretty much going to be charged with being evil and murdering Mysterio. But we also know She-Hulk is getting a series. So a lot of people have been talking about how they think Matt Murdock, uh, Daredevil, is going to be the one who defends Peter. I think She-Hulk is more likely. Yeah. I can see that. Um, I also, since you brought up uh, the Spider-Man 3, I also think, given that kind of Peter Parker gets outed as Spider-Man, it also introduces the idea of villains becoming, uh, start targeting him because he's been outed as Spider-Man, even if he gets defended in the public eye, which opens up the possibility of also introducing Craven the Hunter, as we've talked about before, his main goal is hunting Spider-Man to prove he's the greatest hunter on Earth. Once he knows who Spider-Man is, that's the perfect introduction for him to start fucking around in the story and trying to hunt down Spider-Man, so... That is one thing I want to see from the Spider-Man 3 movie coming out in the future. Now I think it's time to reveal my master plan of where I said I think this is all going. So, in my idea, essentially, what's going to be sprinkled in throughout all this movie is, obviously, they're going to bring mutants into the universe. So I feel like here and there, they're just going to sprinkle in little mutants uh, throughout all of these movies as best they can. So Black Widow might introduce something along that line, a mutant character. I feel like Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to introduce the Weapons Plus program. Eternals is also something that goes in with the creation of the mutants. And you can do that through most of these movies. Uh, just kind of like, oh, they're in the background. They're starting to find out what these are. And then with you can do it with Eternals or even Doctor Strange. You can introduce something like Onslaught or even the Phoenix Force. And I think what could be the closing movie of Phase 4 could be Avengers versus X-Men. Ooh. That would be interesting. So you set up that, oh, there's mutants that exist in this universe and something happens. Now, the only thing I can think, because you don't want to have the X-Men or the mutants specifically be their, like, you know, bad. Well, you couldn't do that and have, the, that's why the populace hates them so much. But you have to have it that there's the out for it. So some, introduce something like the Phoenix Force as being something that takes control of certain mutants and starts rampaging with them. That can be introduced through Eternals, through the space aspect, or even Thor or Doctor Strange. Instead of it being a space entity, it comes through the multiverse of madness of some sort that Wanda unlocks. You can then introduce the mutants as a threat because of this, have the Avengers have to fight them. Then they have to team up to defeat whatever the force is at the end. That allows you to show, oh, the X-Men existed in some capacity here. So that lets you introduce them in the movies moving forward. Now, at the same time, I feel like by introducing something like the Phoenix Force and hinting at uh, 
something in the space like Galactus. You can also introduce Doctor Doom within these movies here in some capacity. He could even be the person that's pulling the strings of Taskmaster and a few other things going on in the movie. So you have the X-Men get introduced, have the X-Men versus Avengers plot for uh, capping off Phase 4, go into the darker side of things, all with this threat of Galactus looming. But you also have Doctor Doom seeming to be a good guy. And then what you can do is to cap off the big thing where it's going to be a fight where, oh, we got to fight Galactus and stop him. You get to the point where they're about to defeat him, and then you end up pulling the switcheroo, revealing that Doctor Doom was the villain of the whole thing the whole time, and he was actually waiting for the moment to essentially harness Galactus' power, and then bam, you get Secret Wars. See, so that is similar to what my thinking was going forward. So, important thing to note is that in none of the Fantastic Four movies that we've seen so far, has anyone done Doctor Doom right? Because they keep trying to play it as he's essentially another scientist who got caught up in the same situation that created the Fantastic Four. Whereas canonically in the comic books, Fanta- or Doctor Doom has essentially been magic and he gained his powers entirely separately from the Fantastic Four and has fought against them throughout the universe for other reasons, not from the same power source as the Fantastic Four. Um, which kind of... Uh, so that's what I've been thinking is that Doctor Doom, they're kind of building up to be the big bad of uh, this next saga, just where if you actually look at the movies and TV shows they're releasing, uh, we have five of the movies that have been, con- or five of the movies slash TV shows that have been confirmed directly play around with the concepts of magic. Like Shang-Chi is going to involve the Mandarin, who we've already said has magical powers through the form of his rings, which you call space dragon magic, or science, I call magic. We know that WandaVision involves her unlocking her actual powers, but regardless, Wanda's powers have always been very on the border of magic. We know that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is going to have heavy magic themes. We know that Loki is most likely going to have heavy magic themes, and it's quite likely that Thor Love and Thunder is going to involve magic in some capacity. So I think they're now introducing the idea of magic into the universe rather than just pure science so that they can take a chance to actually do Doctor Doom correctly and kind of have him be the magical ruler. Fuck, I can't even remember what country he's the ruler of in the comic books. Um, But he's the magical ruler of a country, and so they are kind of setting the groundwork of having magic being a thing that exists in Earth, just that they can have a magical human being be the primary antagonist of the story moving forward. That's that's what I think they're kind of building towards with uh, this next saga of movies. So I think they're planning on kind of building it up. I think especially with Fantastic Four being confirmed, that'll probably be the first time we actually see uh, Victor Von Doom or Doctor Doom on screen. Up until that point, I think he's mostly just going to be the person behind the screen. Like as you said, he'll probably be the one ordering Taskmaster around. I don't think we'll see him once in the Black Widow movie. I think we'll only see Taskmaster, and then later on in like a post-credit scene, we'll have him have some line about how even though Black Widow won that movie and Taskmaster lost, Taskmaster did exactly what he was expected to and worked out exactly the way they wanted him to. So I think it's entirely likely that Doctor Doom's going to be the main villain of the story moving forward. All that and Doctor Doom 
one of the things I feel they always done wrong with him is Doctor Doom is a very intelligent character, but he always gets outed immediately as being Doctor Doom. I feel so like I think, yeah. playing it the long con and having it like fa- if they do the same three phases thing they did with the uh, Infinity Saga, having it that he's a character that's at play in the universe, but everyone trusts him. He's a, a good guy. But then having the flip reveal in the last phase, uh, like even in the last battle against Galactus, that oh, I'm the bad guy, and this is exactly what I planned for. Yeah. Yeah, I think, so, in my plan, I think he doesn't appear at all in Phase 4. I think in Phase 5, he's introduced as a friendly character who works alongside some of the hero groups and is helpful to them in certain ways. Maybe he becomes a sponsor of S.H.I.E.L.D. or such. We need a smart guy like Tony Stark to help us build stuff. Oh, Reed Richards and Dr. Von Doom, both very smart people in their fields. Mm -hmm. It's not until phase six that it's revealed that he's actually been behind a lot of the bad shit that's been going on in the world, and he ends up kind of being revealed as the villain. So I think phase four... You can even have Doctor Doom, uh, uh, essentially Doctor Von Doom, in a situation where Doctor Doom attacks him, and everyone's like, oh no, Doctor Doom, he's a bad guy. You can have Doctor Doom going around, and then the twist reveal could be that, oh, it was a Doom bot the whole time. I'm actually the one controlling them, and they never caught on. Yeah, you could even have that, like, moment of it showing Doctor Doom and Victor Von Doom, like, in the same experience. So, like, just to completely eliminate the possibility that he's the evil one, only for it later to be revealed that, yeah, that was a Doombot the entire time. He's not actually free from the role that they've expected of him. Now, to be fair, if they... Now, the only thing that I'd want them to add to that, if they go with that route, is... uh... After they show a Doombot, aka Doctor Doom, in the same frame as Victor, then they have to, at some point, reveal that their Doctor Doom can make a bunch of Doombots before the reveal that Victor is Doctor Doom. Oh, of course, and you can make it like I feel like if they do this, want to do this twist, they can't have him called Victor Von Doom. I feel like that has to change. So you probably want to take I away think... him being leader of a country, maybe go more of like what they tried to do with the previous two iterations, but not as stupid with it. And then we can have the reveal that his name is Doc, like Von Doom later. Like he's going by an alias of some sort. Yeah, like he's just like Victor Domashev or some shit like that. And then it's later revealed that his birth name is Von Doom and he was the leader of the country this entire time. But he, like the monarch of some other country, but he's been undercover as Victor Domashev helpful scientist friend of reed richards yeah and it's only revealed towards the end of the story that he's actually victor von doom like to the point where like we'll be writing a movie or not a movie we'll be writing a podcast three years from now where we're like that guy's fucking victor von doom they just don't want to say it in the movie you know i i I like what we come out to i I like our layout of what phase four will be same i just really hope that we finally get a good intro story to the fantastic four because i always enjoyed the fantastic four cartoons i mean uh... if marvel can't do it after requiring the iip i think it's just a franchise that cannot be brought to the big screen it's just as i said for whatever fucking reason comic book movies have always seemed so hesitant about certain comics uh content within the comic books like the fact that they've never once wanted to make dr doom magical or anything like that They've always just wanted him to be a scientist who also worked with the Fantastic Four and got caught up in the same bullshit that they got caught up with. I think the idea of 
I think Marvel can absolutely do it better than he was done by Fox. Uh, was the one who used to own Fantastic Four. I think Marvel can absolutely do a Fantastic Four movie quite well, just because Kevin Feige, for the most part so far, has seemed to actually care about what's in the comic books instead of just using the characters to write their own story. Actually creating a story that fits with our knowledge of the different characters. So yeah, I think we did a good uh, job of outlining everything we think is going to happen here. So I think that's a good spot to end this one. We don't want to go too far into Phase 5. We'll save that for another time, I guess. Uh, but do you guys have any uh, suggestions? Uh, maybe it's good to stay within maybe the Marvel Universe, possibly, of what might be a good suggestion. Although, really, go with anything you want. Well, it's too late for me to suggest something for Marvel, because... I'm going to absolutely recommend the anime I've been watching that I talked about at the beginning, uh, Yakitate Japan. It's a delightful anime, and I think it's absolutely worth your time watching it, because it's quite fun. And uh, I can't really recommend anything Marvel, because all my Marvel knowledge comes from the MCU. So I'm going to recommend Warframe. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. It's a great free-to-play game. Third-person ninjas in space with hundreds of guns and a bunch of different warframes that you can choose with different abilities and different move sets and such and the game can be played completely free your first look at the end game shop might make it look a little pay to win but it's not pay to win whatsoever if anything it's pay to speed up getting everything that you can get later on for completely free and uh it's got a it's got a hell of a learning curve like the learning curve is pretty much a brick wall that you're f faced with right out of the gate. But if you can get past it and just focus on what the game tells you to do right away and don't look at anything else, it's just a blast through and through. How about you, Keith? Any recommendations? So what I'm going to recommend, because I, I wasn't planning on recommending this, but just the conference you went to, I highly recommend if you get the chance to read through the 2015 Secret Wars run. Uh, just what we were talking there about the ending, uh, it's definitely what I was going for uh, with what would be an amazing story for them to pull off at the end of uh, this current arc in the Marvel Universe. Okay, so I believe that brings our episode to an end. Question for the audience. Uh, wh who do you guys think is going to be the big bad of the upcoming saga of Marvel movies? Do you agree with, agree with us and think it's going to be Doctor Doom? Do you think it's they're going to go for the more obvious choice of Galactus, or do you think there's someone else going on in there? Tony Stark back from the dead. Zombie Stark! What I mean, apparently that? What If is doing the zombie storyline, so... Did anyone manage to get our Instagram, Instagram post guess correctly, Keith? So no one has guessed it yet, but of course, as always, you will get called out if you manage to guess it before this episode goes up. We are more than happy to call you out if given the opportunity. <laughs> all right well uh thank you for listening to our episode today uh you can also find us on all major podcasting platforms youtube as well as on instagram uh you can reach out to us at email at what is my podcast about at gmail.com of course if you have any questions a suggestion of what our podcast could be about want to correct us or want to answer one of our questions make sure to reach out on one of those forms make sure to check back in a fortnight as well when our next episode goes live that will be on june 15th that's two weeks from now yeah, tune exactly. in in two weeks to uh, figure out how best to secure, contain, and protect yourself from pandemics. Pandemics? More than one?